and welcome to the podcast. This is Hypochondriac Almanac, and I'm very excited to be back. Took a little bit of a break there. It just seemed like the news was dominated so much by coronavirus, and I just didn't want to keep adding to that. But I am your host, Sarah, coming in live and alone solo this evening. This is the podcast out there for all of you that secretly think you have a new disease every time you have a sniffle, a slight twinge, or a headache. It's not a tumor. We understand, we identify, and we definitely have scoped out WebMD more than our fair share of the times. We're here to talk about weird diseases, strange illnesses, crazy syndromes, rare disorders, and anything and everything medical in the news and in our lives. But before we get started, we need to talk about a few little disclaimers. First and foremost, I'm not a doctor or a medical professional of any kind. Please don't take what we say on this show as medical advice. We're not trying to treat, diagnose, or fix any of your medical conditions. If you have an issue, please see a doctor. Don't guess or take what I say on this show as a diagnostic tool. We just want to talk about all the fun, weird, and wild parts of the medical world in the past, present, and the future. Let's jump right in, folks. So yesterday, I did something different, and I kind of wanted to share this experience with the listeners in case they might want to try something out like this themselves. But I was doing a little bit of research online and read that blood donation and plasma donation was running low and that it would be a good idea to donate So I did a little bit of research to try to figure out what it was, and I just kind of want to share my experience with you all. Okay, so there's red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets, but there is something else in blood, and that is plasma. This is the liquid part of your blood, and one of the jobs is to keep your blood pressure in healthy range. It also carries important proteins, minerals, nutrients, and hormones to the right places in the body. Plasma makes up the biggest part of your blood. It's about 55% of your blood, and even though blood appears red when you see it outside of your body, plasma itself is actually a pale yellow color. So what is in plasma and what does it do? So plasma is made of about 90% water, and it also contains salts and enzymes, and it has antibodies that fight infection, plus proteins called albumin and fibrinogen. Plasma helps carry proteins, hormones, and nutrients to different cells in your body, and these include growth hormones that help your muscles and bones grow, as well as clotting factors that help you stop bleeding when you get a cut or have a surgery, etc. But some of the nutrients it helps deliver are minerals like potassium and sodium, and these help your cells work. Plasma helps your body maintain normal blood pressure and blood volume levels, and it also gets rid of the chemical waste from cells, and it does this by dissolving the substances the cell doesn't need and carrying them away. So why should you donate plasma? Well, doctors can use the plasma to help treat different kinds of serious health problems, and some of the elements in plasma, including the antibodies and chemicals that help your blood to clot, can help in medical emergencies like burns and trauma. Other things that plasma donation are good for include developing treatments. The antibodies and proteins can also be used to develop treatments for rare diseases, including some immune system problems. It can be helped to treat cancer. Adults and children with different kinds of cancer, including leukemia, sometimes need plasma transfusions. They use it for transplant surgery, and some people who get liver or bone marrow transplants need plasma, and then they also use it for hemophilia patients. This is a rare disorder where a person's blood doesn't have enough clotting factors, so donating plasma can help with this. To donate plasma, you have to be at least 18 years old and weigh at least 110 pounds. You'll need to get a physical examination and get tested for certain viruses like HIV and hepatitis, and they usually do this in the plasma center. 
Donating plasma is a little bit different from donating whole blood. And when you donate whole blood, it goes straight into a collection bag and is later separated into a lab. But when you donate plasma, the blood that's drawn from your arm goes through a special machine to separate the different parts of your blood. The parts that are left over, including your own red blood cells, go back into your body along with the saline water solution. And this process usually takes about an hour and 15 minutes. If you have a type AB blood, it's a universal recipient. This means they can receive blood from any blood type. Type O has no antibodies against blood types and are considered a universal donor. Almost anyone can receive this blood type during a transfusion. So very, very interesting. So I read about the shortage and looked into local plasma centers in my neighborhood. So I wanted to find one that was relatively close to my area. So you need to be aware that if you are interested in donating plasma, they want you to donate it in the closest facility to where you live. And usually they want you to be a local resident as well. So when you go into the plasma center, you will register as a new donor and they have paperwork you fill out with your name, your address, your birth date, and all kinds of other factors. They will examine your license and your social security card, and they will typically ask you for some sort of a utility bill as well. So there's three forms of identification that they require for you to give plasma. So be prepared and be ready with those items when you go into the center. Now, the other thing you should be aware of is some plasma centers are definitely a lot more busy than other plasma centers. So you want to make sure that you're going during a time of the day where you're not going to have to sit around and wait for three hours. Some centers require that you have a reservation. So you want to make sure that you call and make sure that is not required or that you need to schedule an appointment. Now, I went into the plasma center that was about two miles from my house, and it was a pretty busy time of the day. So the entire process from start to finish took me about three and a half hours. It was about two and a half hours of tests, examinations, filling out paperwork, that sort of thing. And then it was about an hour of actually donating the plasma itself. One of the other things you should be aware of is they're going to ask you a lot of questions about your past, about who you've had sexual relations with and things of that nature. So you want to be aware that you're going to need to answer those things and that if for some reason the tests pop up positive for something like HIV or hepatitis, they will give this information to the Centers for Disease Control and other health care facilities in your state. So be aware that that's something that could happen. If you test positive for anything on the preliminary testing that they do in the center on the day that you give blood, you will be prevented from giving blood and put into a national registry where you will be unable to donate blood or plasma in the future. So be aware of those things. If you have those risk factors, then just skip giving plasma or blood because you don't want to put anyone else in danger. But when you go into the center as well, be aware that it is going to be cold in there. So if your body temperature normally runs cold and you get cold in air-conditioned environments, you want to bring a jacket, they will let you bring a blanket just so that you can be as comfortable as possible. I know that when I was giving plasma yesterday, the center was freezing and I was shivering the entire time. And then on top of that, when you're giving blood or plasma, your body naturally drops in temperature as well. So be aware of that. They also do preliminary testing on your blood when you come in to make sure you have the appropriate levels of certain things like proteins or iron. So if you are low in iron or deficient in iron, you will be unable to donate plasma. 
So one of the other things that I found out that was very interesting about donating blood and plasma, I know that I knew that you could get compensated monetarily for giving blood, but I did not know that about plasma. So the amount of money that you can make from donating plasma was actually very surprising. You can make anywhere from $35 to $65, $75 per donation. Here are some of the short and long-term side effects from donating plasma. So essentially, as I mentioned earlier, plasma is the liquid part of the blood containing about 92% water, as well as essential proteins and antibodies that help fight infections. The protein found in the highest concentration in the plasma is albumin, this is a protein that's vital for tissue growth and repair. So plasma serves as a transport medium for delivering essential nutrients to the cells of different organs in the human body. And also plasma is involved in the transportation of waste products derived from cellular metabolism in the liver, kidneys, and lungs for excretion. When isolated on its own, blood plasma is a light yellow liquid and is similar to the color of straw. During plasma donation, blood is drawn into an automated machine that separates the plasma from other blood components that are returned to the donor. The physical body commonly replaces plasma within about 48 hours of your donation. The donated plasma is then used for the people that need it to help with their immune deficiency disorders, bleeding disorders, and other conditions and injuries. The Food and Drug Administration does not require paid plasma donations to be labeled. The main reason for this is the collected plasma never goes straight into another person, but it's broken down into a bunch of different protein products that will become pharmaceuticals. So here are the eligibility requirements, and I mentioned a few of them earlier, but number one, you have to be in general good health. You have to be at least 18 years old, and you have to follow a recommended diet, including 50 to 80 grams of daily protein. And they will be able to tell this because they do a protein slash iron slash test of your blood before you're allowed to donate, which will tell them specifically if you are low in any nutrients. They also test for non-reactive transmittable viruses like HIV or hepatitis. You have to pass a medical examination and you have to weigh at least 110 pounds. So when they do give you this medical examination, they check any kind of marks that might signify to them that you have been an intravenous drug user or that you have any kind of infection on your skin because you will not be allowed to donate if that is the case. According to official guidelines, you can donate plasma six weeks after delivery, but you need to wait at least six months for most companies. You should not donate when you're pregnant and you should not donate if you're breastfeeding because you could sort of deplete nutrients that you need that are essential during that time period. Well, some places actually do allow you to donate plasma even if you're breastfeeding, but it's generally not recommended. So what about smoking marijuana? While it's not recommended the use of controlled substances during the time that you're donating plasma, marijuana does not necessarily disqualify you from giving plasma as long as you're feeling well and as long as you're not under the influence of THC during the time that you're donating that plasma. It's also recommended that you avoid practicing moderate physical exercise for 12 to 24 hours following each donation. The best foods that you need to eat are ones that are rich in protein and iron no more than three hours before donating. They want to make sure that you eat a good meal on the day that you're going to donate plasma because you don't want to come in there with an empty stomach because you could end up having extremely lightheaded symptoms and not feel that great. But things like hemp seeds, pumpkin seeds, walnuts, peanuts, almonds, sunflower seeds, pistachios, cashews, chia seeds, hazelnuts, pine nuts, millets, pecans, 
lentil, chickpeas, kidney beans, navy beans, mung beans, quinoa, wild rice, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, and sweet potato are all good options, as well as fruits like persimmons, figs, raisins, potatoes, chickpeas, spinach, green beans, lima beans, elderberries, passion fruit, currants, prunes, and dates are all excellent. You want to make sure that you also are taking adequate vitamin C because this helps the body better absorb iron. Things like guavas, sweet peppers, currants, parsley, currants, parsley, kale, kiwi, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, strawberries, cabbage, pineapple, etc. will help with that. So here are some other tips on donating. You want to rest after you give plasma and let your body recover. You most likely will be fatigued and slightly dehydrated. You want to eat protein and iron-rich meals afterwards. Consume plenty of fluids. The best option is usually plain water after you donate. And if your blood pressure tends to be low, increase your sodium intake before and after the donation. You want to keep the area where you donated clean, Avoid alcohol, caffeine, cigarettes, and illegal drugs after your donation. But here are some of the side effects that you may experience when you donate plasma. And they give you a pretty long list of this because they want to cover off on every possible scenario, although the vast majority of people that come through there do not experience these side effects. But bruising is the number one thing. You want to make sure that you keep the compression garment slash band-aid on that wound for as long as possible because it helps with bruising afterwards. But if the needle is pushed in too far, it can put extra pressure on the other side of the vein, which could cause bruising around the whole area. If there's bleeding from the venipuncture site, it's recommended that you raise your arm and apply pressure. If a bruise occurs while you are donating plasma, most centers will halt the donation to keep it from getting worse. You really, really want to be aware of dehydration because this is a very common side effect from plasma donation. Um, and that is because plasma contains about 92% by volume of water. So it's usually not that severe. And some of the symptoms of this are dark colored urine, dry mouth and tongue, fatigue, no tears when crying, dizziness, less frequent urination, extreme thirst, irritability, and sunken eyes. So you want to drink a lot of fluids and some that contain electrolytes to try to combat that. And you want to keep in mind that caffeine dehydrates you as well as sugar. You want to avoid foods and drinks that contain caffeine like green tea, chocolate, energy drinks, sodas, and coffee before and after you donate. Now, I was pretty dehydrated after donating plasma, and I just didn't realize it because I had a hard time going to the bathroom. I knew I kind of had to go, but I really didn't go very much and it was dark. So you want to make sure that you're hydrating sufficiently. And I drank two bottles of Propel before going in and then one bottle of water afterwards, but I just don't think it was sufficient to really hydrate me thoroughly. So you want to make sure that you're aware of that as well. Dizziness can also be a side effect of donating plasma. Sometimes donors can become so weakened that they faint. If this happens, you need to sit down with your head between your knees or lie down. And if this happens while you are donating plasma, they will stop the process and you will not be compensated for the plasma that you have donated thus far. Lower immunity is also something that happens when your plasma levels get low from donation. And this possibly increases your chances of infection by lowering your immune system. So strong immune system protects your body against colds and flu, as well as keeps you away 
from chronic viral infections like herpes and hepatitis. More importantly, individuals with poor immunity have significantly increased chances of developing lymphomas and certain types of skin cancer. So you really, really want to be aware of that and make sure that you are boosting your immune system with all those critical and essential vitamins and nutrients, a good diet, and moderate exercise. Some people also can have a citrate reaction. When you donate plasma, citrate is added to the blood as it enters the separating machine to prevent clotting. Signs and symptoms of a reaction that you might have to that is shortness of breath, a rapid or slow pulse, muscle twitching, lightheadedness, shivering, chills. You can experience a metallic taste in your mouth. You can feel vibrations and you get numbness or tingling, particularly in the fingertips, lips, and toes. I did get numbness and tingling in my fingers, lips, and toes while I was donating, but I wasn't sure whether it was related to the citrate or whether it was related to just being cold because I personally, because I have low thyroid production, when I get very cold, my fingers and toes and lips get tingly and numb, and it usually goes away as soon as I get into a warm environment. And because the center was so cold, I had this happen. But on a scale of one to 10, I would say it was probably about a three or four. So I didn't say anything or stop the process. But the medical center personnel will recommend that if you experience any side effects while you're donating plasma, draw this to their attention as soon as possible because if you do have an adverse reaction, they need to stop to protect your health and well-being. If untreated, this can lead to shock, seizures, or cardiac arrest if you start to have a reaction to the citrate. So you want to be very, very careful. They say about 7% of donors experience some sort of reaction to the anti-clotting factors. All in all, the process itself of donating the plasma for me took approximately 53 minutes, but each person is different. When I talked to the different people that were working in the center, they all told me that they donated plasma themselves, and it typically takes between 30 minutes and an hour for most people to donate the appropriate level of plasma. What's also important to note is the amount of plasma that you're able to give will also vary based upon your body weight. So if you're approximately 110 pounds to 150 pounds, you'll be able to donate a certain amount. And then it's like 150 to 175 is a secondary amount. And then anyone over 175 up to 400 plus pounds can donate a larger amount of plasma. You do not get to pick the amount of plasma that you give. They will determine that based upon weighing you at the time of your donation. And you will also have to fill out a questionnaire when you go in talking about your current health conditions, what sort of medications you're taking, if you're taking vitamins, what your diet is like, all of that. So be aware they're going to ask a lot of very personal questions when you go into the donation center. And it is private and confidential. You will discuss this with a doctor there in a closed and private room. So no one is going to hear your information but you and the doctor. It's interesting to note, though, when you are a new donor, the process does take a little bit longer than when you are a returning donor. The first time that you go in will take anywhere between two and three hours. And then any time after that, you get to go into the return donators line. And that usually takes about half the time in total. And then it also depends on how many people are donating that particular day and how many seats are available in the donation area. According to Mayo Clinic, you can typically donate whole blood every 56 days at minimum. Plasma donors can donate as often as every 28 days. Platelet donors can donate as frequently as every eight days as well and up to 24 times in a 12-month period. 
and double red cell donors can donate as often as every 168 days. They will also ask you if you've had cold, flu, fever, coronavirus, etc., or if you've traveled outside of the U.S. They want to make sure that is not the case, as well as dental care, surgery, medications, vaccinations, tattoos, ear piercings, body piercings, etc. They're going to ask you all those kinds of questions. Many centers will also give certain incentives if you come back more than once and they'll have certain specials that you can take advantage of where the plasma may give you a larger monetary payment than other times. You can do a Google search or look on Google Maps to see where the nearest plasma center is. Here's what you want to do. You want to make sure that you're visiting an accredited center. Your donation center should put you through a thorough screening process that involves taking an initial blood test, filling out a questionnaire, and performing a physical examination, as I mentioned earlier. A red flag is if your donation center does not go through these processes, you want to check with the American Red Cross to find the accredited plasma center closest to you. Monitor how frequently you donate. You can donate plasma every 28 days and up to 13 times per year. And while the FDA does allow donors to give plasma more frequently, this is the best practice for safety, according to the American Red Cross. And the whole process takes about an hour and 15 minutes. So make sure you give yourself enough time and you hydrate before your visit. You just want to make sure that you're not giving plasma any more than once every 48 hours. So if you go in and donate on a Friday, you could technically go in and donate again on the next Sunday two days later. Ask your center how often you can donate and be aware of how often you should really be donating safely in order to maintain your own health and immunity because as I mentioned earlier in the podcast it can lower your immunity, fatigue you, and dehydrate you. So just be aware of what's going on. Ask a lot of questions and make sure that you are getting all the information you need and that the center is using proper health, safety, and sanitary procedures. If you go into the center and notice that they're not cleaning up regularly, you want to avoid donating there because that is the biggest thing. We're all dealing with a coronavirus epidemic out there right now and clean and sanitary conditions are absolutely essential. But you should also know that donating blood and plasma is also considered an essential process during this whole coronavirus thing. So even if there are lockdowns, most plasma and blood donation centers will still be open and will still allow you to donate. Just be aware that you're going to have to wear a mask the whole time and it's kind of critical that you maintain a clean environment. You keep your hands washed, you don't get too close to anyone, and you allow them the time and space to clean the equipment properly. All in all, the process was pretty easy for me to do, although it took me about three and a half hours from start to finish. I wasn't anticipating that it would take that long, but the staff at the center was super nice, super friendly, and I walked out of there with a debit card with 65 bucks on it. So I wasn't expecting to be compensated monetarily, but it was nice to have that, and now I can either take that and save it up for a rainy day, or I can donate it to someone else who may need it more than me. But this whole process in general was a pretty cool experience, and it really showed me how easy it is to do little, simple, and easy things in your neighborhood to help contribute and to do your own civic duty. If you're afraid of needles or you're squeamish about blood, it's probably not the best sort of thing for you. You probably want to skip it if that's the case. But if you're not squeamish about those things, check out your local neighborhood plasma donation center and tell me what your experience was like. In any case, though, this is the point in the podcast where we're going to say so long, farewell. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, I want to encourage you to send us an email. We're at the hypo 
alamapodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram account that we have set up. We do occasionally post pictures and different information in there. That is at podcast.addict on Instagram. And I want to encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe as well. I know most people just kind of skim over that or don't really pay a whole lot of attention to it, but when you rate and make comments, review, and subscribe to our podcast, it helps us pop up more in searches and increases our listener base, which is really important because there are things that we cover in this podcast that could be helpful for some people that you may know, so we want to spread the word and share the podcast for the people that could take advantage of it and find some useful sorts of information. And then feel free to shoot us an email if you have some show suggestions. We've had people in the past that have emailed us and asked for specific topics to be discussed on the show, and we're more than happy to accommodate for that within reason. But please join us again next week when we talk more about strange medical news, conditions, and treatments. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay healthy, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye!